to. Well, hey, I'm excited about Christmas. We're, we're now starting to, although Jess has been playing Christmas music for a long time, I'm caught up now and I'm ready to go. We listened on all of our road trips this weekend. We've now had five Thanksgivings and we're now into the Christmas season. And so I'm excited about that. This past week I was researching some holiday life hacks, okay? You guys know what life hacks are, by the way? It's like, how do I win at life? It's just some trips, uh, tips and tricks to just win at living in general. So I found some that are specific to the holidays that I really enjoyed. So if you really want to maximize your holiday experience, here's a couple things that you might choose to use, a couple tips and tricks, all right? The first one is when transporting a Christmas tree, hypothetically, from Lexington to Cincinnati, and you don't know how to tie knots, tie lots, Lots of knots. Get it? This is John Sanchez's trick. You know, hey, you don't know how to tie knots? Tie lots. And so I tied a lot of knots, and I'm like, hey, maybe we should throw another rope on there. And then there you go, fingers crossed. We jump in. And every time, it's like, I'm so stressed out, and Jess is like, and I'm like, is it moving? It's like, last thing I want to do is, like, lose a Christmas tree on the highway, thankfully. We've come close once, but not this time, all right? We're getting better at keeping that thing up there. So if you're transporting a Christmas tree, make sure that thing's tied down. And you don't know how to tie knots, just tie lots, okay? Second thing is this. Can't think of what to get someone? Tell them that you already got them something and have them guess what it is. Boom, multiple gift ideas. I love it. Some of you are actually, what I love is some of you are actually going to do that now. All right, kids, some of you are going to be ornery over Christmas. Maybe you've been ornery throughout the year. But I'm going to give your parents a little tip here. Maybe close your ears. You can't hear this one. Wrap empty boxes, put them under the tree with your kid's name on them. And every time they act up, throw one aggressively into the fireplace. (laughs) There you go. Don't test me. Right? Don't test me. Want to gather everybody together for family time around the holidays? Unplug the Wi-Fi router in the house and just wait in the room that it's located in. Boom, everybody come together, right? Everybody come together. Uh, You know that would work, too. You know that would work. All right, so some of you need to get, you're trying to get a jump start on that New Year's resolution, or maybe you'll wait. But either way, I don't know if you guys knew this, but eggs are fantastic for a fitness diet. Don't like the taste of eggs? Just add cocoa, butter, sugar, flour, bake for 30 minutes. There you go. You got it. All right. Well, there's just a few kind of fun Christmas hacks, but as I thought about um, just getting our hearts prepped for Christmas and this opportunity that we have, the next 30 days that's before us, and really thinking about how can we kind of win at Christmas this season, how can we win at life uh, when it comes to Christmas and beyond, um, the Bible is really the best place we can go to get real life hacks, right? The stuff that actually makes a difference, those are some fun tips and tricks, but when it comes to the principles that matter, when it comes to the truth, that actually has the potential to turn life upside down. The scripture is just full of it. And the Christmas story in particular has some amazing truths that if we would download and apply those things into our lives, it really could make a difference, not just for the next 30 days, but beyond that. And so we're going to dive into and get a couple just, we're going to pull just a couple snapshots out of the Christmas story here and look at a few different uh, of the real life Uh, people in the Christmas story and some of the things that we might be able to learn from them. And so I'm going to share with you guys a few Christmas life hacks, and and, uh, we're going to just chase after God through that. Let me pray as we head that direction. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to get to just 
uh, be together, to get to laugh together, enjoy one another's company. And uh, we just thank you so much for the season and the opportunity that's before us. As we think about the Advent and Christmas season, we ask God that you would help us uh, to continue to align our hearts with yours and chase hard after you. And we just pray that you would speak to us through your scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the the pieces of the Christmas story that I really enjoy, and actually Jonathan shared a little bit uh, about the Magi at our uh, the dinner that we had here, and uh, some of the background of that, them being uh, a Persian people that migrated and chasing after the star. And so I was camped out on this particular part of the Christmas story a little bit this past week and just studying it, and there's just so many cool nuggets of truth if we really dive into that story. And so let's bring a few of those things to the surface. The first thing I think that... And and so these guys were sometimes referred to as the wise men. So kids, you know the manger scene. You got the little wise men. The truth is on the the manger scene, if you guys want to go home and fix the manger scene, the wise men weren't there when Jesus was born yet. Okay? They were seeing the star from a distance, and so if you really want it to be accurate, uh, st- stage it in this way. Take those three little guys and go put them like halfway across the room. Okay? You have my permission to keep things historically accurate. You guys can do that because okay? they would have just seen the star and be heading out at this point. Uh, but they were uh, astrologers of their day, so they, had, uh, they were scientifically minded in terms of reading the stars and understanding the stars. But we also can tell that they paid close attention to the prophecies of Scripture because they knew that this star in particular was different. There was something unique about this st- star that called out to them, uh, that, that, that caused them to chase after this particular star and see it differently. And the first thing that I think we really learned from the Magi is this, so life hack number one, hope is always worth chasing. Hope is always worth chasing. And in Matthew 2, 1 through 2, after we read this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And so they see this star, and they set out after this star. And that might seem sort of like, okay, like that, I've read that for years. I get it. They, you know, see the star, they chase after the star. But when you really think about the fact that these were real people living in real time, they didn't have the benefit of actually knowing what was on the other side of this star. They had a hunch, right? They understood the prophecies. They had this belief that there was something great at the other end of this star, but they couldn't know for sure that it was there. It's not like they could send a text or, or check online to see, hey, is this you know, on their news feed? Yep, there was a Savior born today. They didn't have that benefit, right? And so being where they were, they had to travel to see this for themselves. And so they actually were risking quite a lot. At the bare minimum, they were risking two years of their life to set out after the star, right? And I'm sure not everybody that they told was like, oh, okay, you're chasing a star. Like, that makes sense. In fact, most people would probably think it sounds kind of crazy, right? You imagine that conversation that they had, um, you know, they're telling them, hey, we're going to go, you know, take this chance. We're going to chase the star. I wonder what that conversation was like with the people around them, right? Okay, so let's go over this again. You're going west, following a random star because the Messiah is there? Okay. Even though God hasn't revealed himself for some 400 years now, and you guys are the guys. Like, you saw the star, and you're going to go, okay, good luck to, to you guys. You know, enjoy that journey, right? And you have to think that there was probably some naysayers, some second-guessers. And, and I don't know this. Maybe there was even one guy in the pack that was kind of like, you know, he's second-guessing in his own mind. Like, 
you know, this is two years. And how do we know that this is going to be a fruitful adventure here? And yeah, I believe that this is the star, but, and especially when everybody around you is saying, you guys are crazy, you know, are you serious? And I'm sure people try to talk them out of it. And, you know, hey, this is just a futile journey, I'm sure they said. And, you know, they could have doubted, they could have delayed, but they set out anyway. And I think that's an important thing for us to wrap our minds and our hearts around is, you know, we don't always have the benefit. We live in real time, right? We don't have the benefit of knowing what's going to come of of the next season of our life or in this season of our life, right? But we have to make a conscious decision to set out anyway and keep chasing hope. It is a decision that we have to make to shift our perspective and say, God is good and there's something great at the end of this star. We've got to continue to chase hope even when those around us might doubt it, even when those around us might say, you know, it's not worth it, or you really think that's a good use of your time, or is that dream really worth chasing? Is that really worth spending your money on? Really, you're going to give that away? You know, and we have these voices that surround us that second guess, right? It's not always a voice that surrounds us that second guesses. Sometimes that very voice lives inside of you, right? The one that casts doubts, the one that, that makes you double think this chasing of hope this chasing of stars and sometimes it's harder when that voice is living inside you just saying things like you know what you're crazy for this you're crazy for living this way why why are you following this star you just end up failing again like you did before right or you have these doubts in our minds that say you know you don't have what it takes you couldn't do this you're not going to be able to see this through you're going to drop the ball right you you're not worthy enough you're not worth it you could never do this or you could never do that or the one that maybe says god doesn't really care about you you've messed up too much you're you know what there's no hope for you right and we hear these voices and we have to continue to chase hope anyway we've got to continue to chase after that star Anyway, you know, I'd say I'm mostly optimistic outlook, but I have those same thoughts, right? I feel like for the most part, I sort of, I, I, I do chase hope, and I, I believe the best, but there's times where those thoughts, right, those second guessing, all of those things affect me and impact me too. This past, a couple weeks ago, uh, I got roped into, uh, last week actually, I got roped into doing a CrossFit competition, and I've kind of made it known around the gym, like, I don't do CrossFit competitions, like, not for me, like, I'm just... I just want to work out, be healthy, like, don't sign me up. Somehow, inevitably, though, people sign up, and they fail to show up then. They're like, oh, we had something come up, so now we're short somebody. And so I'm like, oh, man, here we go, you know. And so I know somebody's going to come and ask. And so I got invited, and it was going to be Stephen or I, and I I drew the straw. And I'm glad now I did, but at the time, I'm like, oh, man, like, I, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. And my goals were really, I had the bar set pretty low. It was don't get hurt. And don't make a fool out of myself. Like, that's, that was it. Like, I'm like, if I get through and I don't get hurt and I don't make a total fool out of myself, win, win. You know, everybody wins. And so um, that was sort of the bar. I was telling Aiden, like, last, like, Friday night, I was, like, getting ready to do this competition. I was like, um, hey, buddy, I'm doing a competition tomorrow. And, uh, you know, what, and he was like, oh, like, ask me. He's like, really? He's like, I don't want to go in there and cheer for you. He's like, well, you're going to be at Mimi and Paw Paws. The truth is I don't want you to see it if I, like, totally, like, make a fool out of myself. So you're not going to be there. Um, but then he's asking me all about, he's like, Dad, is there a trophy? Like, do you want a trophy? Do you going to win a trophy? And I'm like, well, buddy, there is a trophy, but I'm not going to win it. Like, let's just, let's be real, you know. And so I'm just sort of speaking this realistic, like, I'm, I'm explaining to, like, you know, my five-year-old that doesn't, he's just like, yeah, you're going to win the trophy. I'm explaining to him, like, no, you don't get it, buddy. Like, these are some of the best athletes from all over the region, like, 
daddy's goal is just to not get hurt. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to be there. To, you know, and so he's like, yeah, you are, dad. You're going to win, dad. You're going to get the trophy. Like, he was so convinced. And almost had me believe in it. I'm like, you know, not that I would actually win, but hey, who knows, you know. And as he was doing that, I was just thinking to myself, you know, he actually planted this seed of hope inside of me. Like, not that I would actually win, but I'm like, you know, if I'm just kind of like leaning into what he's saying, like, maybe I'll do all right, you know. And actually, we ended up doing all right. We did 10th. We got 10th out of uh, 40 uh, teams. And I was like, That's okay, I'll take it, you know, top 10. Cool. And uh, so it exceeded my ball. And I, was, uh, and I didn't make a fool out of myself. And I didn't get hurt. So win-win across the board. But it just had me thinking about the fact that he was kind of speaking life into me, essentially. speaking hope into me. How powerful hope is. How powerful hope is, and hope is one of the most powerful things that we can possess, and it's, it's something that as Christians we have more of than any other group of people, right? We actually have something to set our hope on, right? Something solid, a foundation of hope. And the Bible says this about the hope that we possess because of what happened on Christmas and then what happened uh, on Easter and, and, and what we get to celebrate because of our belief in Christ. It says this, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs, us, of what he has promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, God doesn't lie, and we who have fled to take hold of this hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. And we have this hope, it says in the scripture, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And so what this scripture in Hebrews is telling us is we actually have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And so we need to tether our life to this hope. Because the truth is our emotions will take us adrift, right? Our fears will take us adrift. Our doubts will take us adrift. But we've got to tether our life to this hope that is found squarely in the person of Jesus. The baby that was lying that day in a manger. And while our emotions may change, our hope is secure. It is our anchor, firm and secure, our anchor for the soul. Though doubt makes our spirit drift, though darkness closes in, though defeat seems sure, there is always hope in Jesus. He's the light of the world. And he says this about himself. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. And so when we tether our life to Jesus, we get to experience true hope. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, light is, is so often a symbol of hope throughout the scripture. He's saying, I am the hope of the world. You want hope? Anchor your life to me. Keep chasing after the light. God has more in store for you, friends. No matter how dark things might get, you've got to keep chasing hope. Keep choosing hope, right? Amidst the darkness, keep letting the light in. And so they do that. They chase hope, and what they find when they arrive after roughly two years of a journey and the ups and downs of travel, right? And some of you, you think your nine-hour, David took a nine-hour, 12-hour trip. You think that was long. You think your Thanksgiving travels were long, kids. I know you guys are probably like, are we there yet? Like, let's get there. And what time's lunch? And, but two hours, can you, or two, two, two years, two hours, not that big of a deal. Two years, that's a long journey, right? But this journey proved worth it. And so they found hope in Jesus. And so we've got to keep chasing that hope. The second thing we've got to do and that we can really learn from the Magi is this. Make your life a gift to God. Make your life a gift to God. 
And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. I mean, what else are you going to do if you're in the presence of the King of Kings? They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The mission of these guys was unmistakable. The whole point of traveling was to one end, and that was so that they could give proper worship and honor to the king. And they definitely weren't going to show up empty-handed to Jesus' birthday party. You know what I'm saying? You're, you better come with a good. And so they thought, like, okay, what's a gift? I mean, can you imagine? Some of you have already, like, admitted, like, you know, you think to yourself, how many of you are just really feel like you're bad at shopping? You're like, I'm not great at shopping. I'm like, I can never figure out what to get people. And I'm like, I have all of Amazon and the Internet at my disposal, and I can't even, like, shop for the people that I'm supposed to know the best. You know, I'm like, what, what do I get, you know? And but can you imagine like this shopping for the king of kings like what do you get jesus you know what do you bring him but what they brought was their very best and they brought things that symbolized who jesus was and who they believed jesus to be they brought him gifts of gold to symbolize his kingship right and his value they brought him frankincense with some of you essential oil people you know you know that's some good stuff right and it's not cheap either that's an expensive oil but its significance is rooted in its healing qualities. And so by bringing this gift, they were acknowledging that Jesus would be a healer, that he would bring healing to the people. And then, oddly enough, they brought myrrh, which was a, an embalming. So embalming a body, right? Like an interesting thing to bring to a two-year-old's birthday party, right? Like, okay, you, you're going to bring some embalming liquid. But see, they understood, again, that the Messiah would be the one who would come. And really, he was a boy that was destined to die for his people. And so in bringing these gifts, they brought their very best before him, and they honored him in this way. And we, too, we have an opportunity to bring our very best to God. And maybe you struggle with the idea, like, what, what could I even give God? Like, what, what could I even bring before God that would, would be a gift worth his significance and all that he is that would give him honor? Paul tells us in Romans 12, the best gift we can bring. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so the gift Paul tells us to bring is you. Bring yourself. You're the offering. You're the gift. The best thing you can do for God is to live a life that honors him. I was telling the band earlier before we came out here today, and just what an honor we feel like it all is to get to, to sing and lead in the way that we, and what a privilege that is. And we were kind of speaking to that, and I was sharing this story about a, a buddy of mine in college. His name was Dan Smith, and he's just an incredible uh, musician. Like, he had the ability just, like, with the keyboard just to, like, send chills down your spine, you know, and he could sing. And if we would go hang out over at Dan's, he had a, a piano in his room, and, and we would, it wouldn't be long before Everybody's filing into the room as he's just playing, and we're all joining in. And Dan went on then to Nashville and on to L.A. really to kind of pursue this, this musical uh, gift that he had. I used to tell him all the time, I was like, dude, I love your music, first of all. It's such a cool gift. But I'd be like, it's going to be awesome when you're, like, just playing for, like, coliseums of people, and you're up there, like, you know, just hitting the keys. And then I, like, make sure to save me a spot up in the front row. And, um, you know, I, I would always, like, just 
encourage him in that way, but he'd always bring me kind of back to uh, this place where uh, he was like, you know, that would be great, Josh, but here's the deal. I'm just really trying to play for an audience of one. That was his line all the time. It was like, I'm just, every day, I'm just trying to play for an audience of one. In other words, it doesn't matter how many people are in the room. It doesn't matter if it's my living room. It doesn't matter if it's a, a church setting or a coliseum or whatever venue that I play in. My focus is always the same, and that's, I'm just playing for the Lord. When I get an opportunity to play, I'm just playing for the Lord. And that always inspired me. In fact, every, every time I write a message now, because um, uh, I'll email it to myself, I'm going to use it on an iPad or whatever, and so, or, or email it to myself to review. In the subject heading now, I just always put glory, to God be the glory. To God be the glory, which just reminds me as I open up a message and get the opportunity to have the privilege to share that message, that it's not about me at all. And, and you know, at the end of the day, my goal is just to honor God with, with, with getting the opportunity to teach his word. And so it, and it reminds me that every time I speak, I have that opportunity to bow down and honor God. But more than that, when I think about it, every interaction I have with somebody is an opportunity for worship, isn't it? Every decision that I make is an opportunity to bring honor to God. Every thought, every attitude, every action, not just the things that are visible to others. But every moment of my life is an opportunity, and every moment of your life is an opportunity to come before the King of Kings and just say, God, take my life. My life is yours. I bow down before you. A.W. Tozer used to say, if you're not worshiping God on Monday the way you did before, the day before, perhaps you're not worshiping him at all. And that's a challenging thought, isn't it? Does Monday look just like Sunday, right? Does the rest of the week, or when you're in that specific setting, do you honor God in the same way as when you're in this setting here around people um, who are worshiping alongside you? And so it's, it's, a, it's a high bar, but it's a bar worth jumping to because God is worthy of our very best. You see, God doesn't just want one day. He wants every day. He doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. You are the gift. You are the offering. Your life is the offering. So life hack number two just continue to encourage you, make your life a gift to God. Think about the 30 days ahead of you. Kids, same is true for you. And the way that you honor your parents or dishonor your parents, you also honor or dishonor God. And so are you going to listen to your parents? Are you going to respect your parents? When, you, when, when they ask something of you, are you going to respond to that or not respond to that? And so we have all kinds of opportunities. When the way we play with our friends and, and hang out with our friends, are we going to share with our friends? Are we going to take that toy for ourselves? All these things are opportunities for us to say, God, I, I give you my best so kids we have the opportunity to serve as well day in and day out and say it doesn't matter how old my life or how how old I am but I still get to take my young life and bring honor to God isn't that a cool thing to think about when you really think about it so I encourage you guys with that as well life hack number three is this joy is meant to be shared joy is meant to be shared true joy is tough to contain when you've really experienced true joy, it's really a joy that's meant to be shared. You know, my grandmother, she is 
like one of those people, I just want to be like her when I grow up. Some of you guys have grandmas like this. You're like, I just want to be like them when I grow up. You know, the thing that I respect the most about her is her whole life is about bringing joy to other people. Like, that's where she really finds joy is bringing joy to other people. She never misses a holiday, always get the card, always get the call. She's always thinking about it. She has just photo albums full of pictures of, of the people that she loves, you know. And she, like, will post something on Instagram and boom, it'll be up, like, right away on it on a hard picture. And she'll be sending it to us in the mail, just showing that, that she just cares. And she just just really loves to bring joy. Our, our entire Christmas Eve is just grandma, like, blessing all of us, right? From the cooking of the meal to the, hey, we're going to do the presents now. And, hey, um, you know, we, we, we have these same traditions over and over again. But you just see the joy in her um, bringing joy to other people. My birthday is close to Christmas. And so sometimes, like, like Jesus, rightfully so, is really tough competition. Like, when your birthdays are close, he should win. But a lot of times I'm like, but grandma won't let that happen. She's like, you got you to gotta have uh, your birthday too. And so after everybody's, like, full on, like, things from Christmas, she's like, we're getting, we're doing a cake. Like, and we're singing to Josh and Jake. My brother has a, a, a birthday near. So she just really just thrives on bringing other people joy. And I really respect that. You see, my grandma understands something very important about joy. It's meant to be shared. It is absolutely meant to be shared, and it's best shared, especially when we're talking about the joy of Christmas. Listen to the message of joy that was delivered that first Christmas day. And so now we're kind of flashing back to that very first Christmas day, and I want to key in on a moment that the shepherds got to experience. In Luke 2, 9 through 11, it says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, of course, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so how do you respond to a message like that, right? In a moment like that, in an experience like that, an encounter with Jesus like that. Well, here's how they responded. It says that they hurried off, right? They found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Nobody had to instruct these guys to say, like, hey, that moment you just experienced, all the angels, this announcement that this would be the savior of all of mankind. Nobody had to, like, tell them, like, but that's probably something you shouldn't keep to yourself. The reaction, the response is, are you kidding me? That's the greatest news we've ever heard. And this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. Let's go see him. Let's go run to him. And then from there, they're like, we, everybody that'll listen, we're going to tell them about. They probably had to, like, settle them down. Like, they'd be running in like, you know, hey, you guys will never believe this. Listen, the Messiah is here. The Savior is here. He's been born among us. And there was and lights. And, and they'd have to be like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Like, what are you trying to tell us, right? And they would share this news and this joy would just flow naturally through them because that's what great joy does. Naturally, it spreads. And I can just imagine people looking at these guys like, what are they so hyped up about? And then they started talking about Jesus and everybody was like, wow, are you serious? And they were amazed. The people were amazed. And then I'm sure those people told some people who told some people who told some people, right? Because this news, this joy is a joy that we can't keep to ourselves. And you obviously know where the challenge is going here, right? That if we really believe the good news of Jesus, if we really believe the truth that the Christmas story surrounds, that this child has been born among us that would save 
all of humanity from their sins if they would only choose and receive the gift that God would do that for us. That's a joy worth sharing, isn't it? That's a joy we can't afford to keep to ourselves. It's a joy that's changing us on the inside, but it's also a joy we can't keep inside, but it continues to flow to those around us. One of my favorite movies is Christmas Carol. How many of you guys seen The Christmas Carol? Um, just a really cool uh, story behind and a message really uh, embedded in um, The Christmas Carol. And you got Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And kids, what's Ebenezer Scrooge's favorite line? Humbug, right? Thank you, Greg. So never, never a colder soul than Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He's like, he's like bah humbug everywhere he goes, right? There's no, he's just not happy about it, and he's greedy, and he's not willing to share anything. And you look at Ebenezer Scrooge, and you think, if there's ever a guy that there's no hope for, right, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. But we see this transformation over the course. Sorry if you haven't seen it. You should have by now. Um, but we see this transformation happen in Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And he's visited by these three uh, spirits, and he gets kind of a, a perspective change, right? And his life has changed, and, and, and through that perspective change, joy enters into his life, and it's a joy that he can't contain, right? What was once cold has now been enlivened inside of him. And one of my favorite moments of the movie is when that, uh, they, he swings open that window, right? And he's just, joy is just pouring through him. Joy has taken hold of him and he can't keep it in. So swinging open his window on Christmas, he declares this, I will start anew, I will make amends, and I will make quite certain that the story ends on a note of hope on a strong amen, and I'll thank the world and remember when I was able to begin again. And friends, we all get that same opportunity. Because of the good news of Jesus, because of the good news of the Christmas story, we are a group of people that has been on the receiving end of the greatest joy the world has ever known. And we get a fresh start. We get the opportunity to begin again. And we get to extend to other people the same opportunity to begin again. And so, friends, if I could just encourage you, if you really want to make the most of this Christmas season, let that joy be received in you and let that joy spread through you. There is no greater joy than the one that we have found in Jesus. That reality kind of set in for a group of us in a community group I was a part of uh, several years back now. We were all kind of sitting around and, and just talking about, you know what, like this story should change us. This joy should change us. What are we going to do about it this year? Like how can we do something different this Christmas to really spread that joy to other people? And so an idea emerged where we would just take a big U-Haul truck fill it with stuff, and many of you all participated in that, just to bring stuff that you had that you wanted to give away. And we put free on the side of the truck, we drove it down into South Lebanon, into a neighborhood, and people could just come and grab whatever they wanted. And it was just a cool day all around, getting to uh, just interact with people and really brighten people's day. And one of the moments that was really especially impactful for me was that year, for whatever reason, I was like, I think I want to get myself an Xbox 360. This was before kids. I was like, maybe I'll play video games and, and have time for that. I really didn't. And God's like, you don't need an Xbox 360, but why don't you buy one and you can give that away to somebody else? And I'm like, okay. So I did, and, and I was just kind of at the event, like waiting for that perfect moment to be like, okay, who's the who should I give this to? And I really asked for God to kind of show me. And 
all of a sudden I see this, this young uh, lady, uh, this young mom and her teenage son, and they were um, just kind of walking through, the, and I'm like, they're the ones. And uh, so I kind of grabbed mom off to the side, and I was like, hey, uh, I think I have something that he would really like, and, uh, and I think you could give it to him. Uh, but, but here it is, and I, I gave her, uh, I said, kind of off to the side, I was like, Here, here's this Xbox 360, do you think you would like that? And she just all of a sudden was just like overcome with like tears and joy, and she said, you have no idea. She's like, I've been working two jobs, and I've been trying to save money for school, I'm going to school right now, I'm a single mom, trying to figure this whole single mom thing out, and she's just pouring all this stuff out to me, and she's like, the thing, the one thing that he asked for that I didn't feel like we, could, I knew we couldn't afford it, we couldn't figure it, was an Xbox 360. Like, we weren't going to be able to do that. And it just broke my heart that I wasn't going to be able to, to give him that. And uh, you just have no idea. And, and she asked, like, why, why are you guys doing this? Like, why are you out here? And our answer was really simple. In some form or another, we basically said, you know, we just want to bring joy to people because we've been on the receiving end of joy. We want to love because God first loved us. We want to give because he first gave to us. And that's really what it's all about. That's really what it's all about for us. This Christmas season is what if we thought less about ourselves and we thought more about how can we bring Christmas to somebody else? How can we bring joy to someone else? And so individually and collectively, let's find ways to do that in the days ahead. One of the most uh, one of the people most known for the joy that she spread was Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and she won the Nobel Prize. And during her acceptance speech for that prize, um, she spoke these words. She said, "Let us keep that joy of loving Jesus in our hearts, and share that joy with all that we come in touch with. And that radiating joy is real, for we have no reason not to be happy because we have Christ with us. And so keep seeking after that joy and keep." spreading that joy.